This is Yolanda Robbins, your host of the Paris Property Chronicles. In this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles, I continue my Beyond Paris series with my guest, Alison Zinder, a gastronomy expert who has lived in France for over 25 years. Alison shares her passion of French food, culture, history, and art as a guide, storyteller, and educator. She, with her life partner David and three-year-old twins, live in the 20th district of Paris, but recently purchased and are in the process of renovating an old farmhouse in Burgundy. Let's hear how Alison plans to extend her passion of French gastronomy beyond Paris. Alison, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Paris Property Chronicles and for sharing your story as well as your journey from Paris to Burgundy. First, I want to ask you if how you and your family are given the, the current pandemic. Uh, Yolanda, thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, and thanks for asking about me and my family. Uh, we are doing surprisingly well. We're going a little stir crazy sometimes, but the kids, uh, my kids have school four days a week. They're going to preschool, which allows us to work, which is great. We're tired of this situation, like m- most people all over the world, but we're just dealing with it and taking it a day at a time. Yeah, that's all. That's all we can do. Like you, I'm from the United States, but I'm not exactly sure where you're from. I'm from Philadelphia. Can you tell our listeners where you hail from in the U.S.? Yes. I actually grew up in Richmond, Virginia. My father was born in Philadelphia. My father's side of the family was always um, up in Philadelphia before they decided to go to the South. So yeah, Richmond, Virginia is where I'm from. Okay. So your dad's from the city of brotherly love. Exactly. Also like me, you relocated to Paris. I did it in 2004. Can you just share with us what led you to France and why? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story because um, I was a French major at university, at James Madison University in Virginia. And so in 1995, when I graduated, my first idea um, was to go and live in New Orleans or Nolens, as they say, of course. Uh, because I had a friend who graduated early and she had said, uh, come on down and live with me. But that plan actually fell through. And when that happened, I just thought, well, I'll just go to Paris. That was plan B. I don't. It's very funny and strange now to think about that. I moved here in September of 1995 with absolutely no plan. I mean, it was just like, okay, here I go. I'm flying by the seat of my <laughs> pants. <laughs> Did you come by yourself? Uh, No, I actually came with another girl at the time we were girls. And she and I shared an apartment in the 7th district, um, very close to sort of the Eiffel Tower, that area. Ooh, la la. Yeah, it was it was it was a good situation. We kind of got to know each other on the airplane over um because she was also a French major, but we didn't really know each other very well. It was our professor uh who sort of set things up for us or helped set things up because she knew of someone who was renting an apartment out. I guess we only shared that apartment for maybe two or three months and then I just got priced out of the area basically. I couldn't afford to live in the seventh. Not many people can, so you're not alone. And it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, in terms of the area, because uh, about a week in, I actually met someone who invited me to a party in Belleville. And Belleville was like the other side of the world for me then. And and then I moved to the 20th district where I live now. So that was, yeah, a lot of serendipity, a lot of luck. 
uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting experience, definitely. No, oh, that's great. I, I love the 20th. And it's, it, it is so funny because we think, oh, it's, it is the other side of the world. But Paris is not that big. Exactly. So, so getting around from one end to the other is not a huge challenge. You currently own your own business in which you're a gastronomy guide. Can you just explain a little bit about what that is and how you started your business? I use the word gastronomy because it really is a mix of French food and French culture. I mean, I've been living here for, you know, 25 years now and just really have been steeped in French culture the whole time because I haven't, you know, it's just been in the last few years that I've cultivated more relationships with other Anglophones. But for a really long time, I just didn't do that at all. I just only spent my time with French people, French friends, French family, um, you know. And so it's really, really important that the, you know, that people who come on my tours and who um, call on my different services, that they understand how closely related and how in, in inextricable French culture and food really are. It's just such a big part of, of the culture, which of course you already know. So basically in non-COVID times, I provide in-depth food-related tours like market tours. Um, I'm working on a new tour called the Bouillon Tour, which is about restaurant history in Paris. It's really a history tour, but people also get to see an area of Paris that is not necessarily um, really, really well known. And of course, I talk about, you know, what's going on in sort of modern day Paris and making a contrast between the history and what's going on now in the food world. I do specialized tours like uh, going to the Rangis wholesale market at 4.30 in the morning, um, which is pretty cool. intense. Yeah, that's pretty intense. This, my, my younger students, um, like university students are just, you know, like that's really, really surprising for them, especially when we go through <clears throat> seeing the sort of parts that are maybe not so savory at 4.30 in the morning, like, you know, seeing huge like sides of beef and we skip the the sort of variety meat market now. That was just too intense for them. <laughs> I also do a, tours in Champagne. We, you know, I, with my students, um, we, we go on a whole day tour to Champagne, which is really fun. Um, I've done wine tours in Burgundy by bicycle. I also organize, also in non-COVID times, organize and co-lead two exciting study abroad programs for American universities. One is more sort of technical and hospitality oriented for my students from Brooklyn, which is really fun because they're just like a breath of fresh air. And this is a, like a, you know, a, a once in a lifetime trip for them. And the other one is for the history department of prominent university in the East Coast. Which, and our program is called Food and Culture of France. So that's more sort of like the history of French gastronomy, but a lot of tasting, you know, market tours. That's the one where we go to Burgundy. We spend, you know, four days in Burgundy. Uh, so the, both of those programs last for three weeks. And so I'm just kind of biding my time waiting for my American university students to be able to come back and really um, share my passion for, for France, for French food, uh, French culture. And I think that they really get a sense of that when they're here. And it's, it's just really fun. So that's a, those are great trips. Years ago, you moved to from the 7th to the 20th. Are you still in the 20th? Is that where you live now? Exactly. Yes. So I moved here, yeah, just a few months after my arrival in, in Paris in 1995. I had the opportunity to share an apartment with someone, uh, a French uh, woman, a Parisian woman who was the same age as me. And that was a great cultural experience as well. And ever since then, I mean, I've, I've sort of tried other districts or had opportunities to live in other districts, but it was always very short term. I even lived at Shakespeare and Company one summer. That was insane. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the bed bugs drove me out. Um, 
<laughs> or the book bugs, I should say. I don't know when. Oh my gosh. It's really weird because every time I lived somewhere else, I just sort of got pulled back to Eastern Paris to the 20th district like a magnet. I don't know what it is, but I just couldn't seem to leave this area for very long. I just, I love the 20th. Um, it's just really where I feel most at home. I used to date someone who lived in the 20th. Um, he lived right off of uh, Place Gambetta. And once again, I could walk from where I live, which is in the third, to where he lives. And the walk was about 15 minutes. So it's not very far. Uh, it's, it's just a fabulous, fabulous neighborhood. Can you tell us a little bit before we move on to Burgundy, because uh-huh. this episode is about in a series of Beyond Paris. Tell us what your apartment is like, specifically your kitchen. Ah, okay, good. My current apartment is pretty small. It's 46 square meters, I mean, which is about 500 square feet um, for four of us. We actually renovated it when we bought in, let's see, 2012. Before that, I had owned another apartment in the same street. I Just to give a little backstory, because that was the, the sale of that previous apartment was what allowed us to buy this place and renovate. My first apartment was down the street, and it actually overlooked the Père Lachaise Cemetery, which Mm. in France is not a liability. It's just a green space. It's wonderful. Um, And that was in 2002. Let's see. Can can I tell you about the prices? Because it just really shows how much the market has blown up in this area. It's amazing. So in 2002, see, I paid the equivalent because it was in French francs back then um, of 68,000 euros for a place that needed a lot of renovation. The, the, the bathroom was actually out on the landing. So we bought two square meters of the landing that we were that we, and we basically had to move the wall because to incorporate oh. the bathroom, the toilet into the apartment. So that was insane. And then in, let's see, in 2012, I sold that apartment for 240,000 euros. So that was like- Unbelievable. I mean, so that's yeah. like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and that was the, the precise sort of 10 year period where prices just exploded in this area and went up. And still prices, I think, as you know, obviously better than I do, um, are still relatively reasonable in this area as compared to you know some other areas of Paris. But But anyway, so I got really lucky with that. And then when we bought this place, it totally needed, I mean, it needed a complete renovation. There were two sort of really long and big hallways, which of course, as you know, in Paris, you've got some apartments that just have really long hallways. It's not wasted space because of course, it's how you get from one area of the apartment to the other. But when you've got a really you know, a lot of space being taken up by hallways, you've got to figure out how to use that space and make it useful, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what we ended up doing. We pushed one wall out and our kitchen is actually in the middle of the apartment. And so we created a sort of a pass through to get more light in. And then on the other side of the kitchen, we have a sort of, um, it's very fashionable now, but at the time we actually had to have it made by someone who works with metal, a sort of a partition with a sliding door that's all glass to let the light in from the bathroom side. Our apartment's actually very bright, but the kitchen is sort of in a middle middle area. It's much bigger than what was here when we bought the place um, because it was just like a teeny little like corner with like two burners and no counter space. And it was like ridiculous. So now we have counter space. We made a little sacrifice in that we don't have a large refrigerator. We just have an under the counter refrigerator so that we have counter Oh, that must be a a huge challenge for you. It is. And it isn't. I mean, obviously we do more shopping. Um, I mean, we shop more often than we would if we had a big refrigerator. A friend of mine had a great idea actually when we were renovating. He said, when your electrician is there redoing the electricity, why don't you have him drop a line down into your your cav, your cellar, 
And that way you can put a little freezer down in your cellar. Of course, we could always use more space, but it's a very, very functional kitchen. I mean, every place on the wall where we can have a utensil sort of bar with lots of utensils hanging on it, we do. I have a knife magnet on one side, place for everything and everything in its place, I guess. And we have drawers, which, you know, I never had before. And we have a dishwasher, which I never had before. For me, the most important point, I said, if we look at apartments and there's no possibility of putting in a, a dishwasher, then no way. Like I'm not buying the place. So I should mention that you are, you're a family of four, but you're, you have twins. How old are your twins, by the way? They turned three in October. So Mm -hmm. um, they're very active. We have a boy and a girl and they share a room, which is fine because we have two bedrooms in this place. For the moment, it's good. Of course, we are happy here because we have uh, an outlet. (laughs) We have our second home. And that outlet is outside of Paris in the Burgundy region. Can you just tell us a little bit about your home in Burgundy, when you bought it and what the community is like? So I bought it on my own, which, cause it was like a totally like this, this project that I'd had in my mind for a while in 2017, it had been in my mind for a while. I just started looking at ads on internet and, and then we started sort of going down to Burgundy for like long weekends and making, you know, so many appointments with real estate agents down there. And David Nicholas, my partner was kind of like, I mean, I think he just thought it was a pipe dream, kind of a a whim. I don't think he realized that I was serious. (laughs) And then I started talking to my bank. I was like, okay, how much can I borrow? You know, and, and, and then it sort of like dawned on him. I was like, oh no, Allison's not going to forget about this idea. It's not just kind of like for fun that she's serious. Ah." So anyway, and then literally like a month after I signed the preliminary paperwork, the compromis de vente, um, and you know what that's called in English, but I don't remember, um, it's, we call it the initial sales agreement. Okay, That's the great. easiest. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because you can still back out. So literally like a month after that, I found that I was pregnant with twins. And so that was like, whoa, okay. Um, so we actually didn't start renovating until late 2018 because we were just overwhelmed. I mean, in the of beginning. Of course. And that, I mean, you're a new <laughs> mom. You had you had twins. Yeah. And you had just purchased a, another property that needed a lot of renovations. Exactly. Yeah, no, it was funny because af- after the final signature in late July of 2017, there are a lot of places in the house that I wanted to visit, but that needed, you, you had to basically climb up a ladder to see them, like at the top of the barns and stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just see these later on, like once I'm not pregnant anymore, because I'm not climbing up a ladder, you know, but it was great. So we didn't start renovating until, yeah, late 2018, I guess. And then things were moving very slowly because it is hard to renovate when you're not there all the time. It's hard to oversee the work. Um, I mean, my my partner, he's an architect. So, and that makes things a lot easier, but it's still, you know, I mean, it's still a challenge when you've got twin babies at home and trying to go back and forth. And the community is pretty small. It's in a really tiny hamlet. Um, I, I guess there are about 15 houses, few farms in there. We're just like right in the middle of a lots of apple orchards. We're actually surrounded by apples. And we are very far north of Burgundy and very far east. And literally, like if you walk to the edge of our hamlet and step over a road, you're in the Champagne region. So we're on the very, very edge of Burgundy. We're in this like little tiny little pocket. So where we do our shopping is actually in Champagne. That's 10 minutes away. And it's it's lovely. It's in this place called the Pays d'Ote. So it's D apostrophe O-T-H-E, Pays d'Ote. Um, there's a huge forest. And that was the draw for us because we wanted to be able to 
go hiking or walking in the forest without having to like necessarily take a car or do something like that. Um, it's an area where there are a lot of second homes, like, you know, résidence secondaire, kind of like ours. Um, so a lot of our neighbors are either like us, like sort of Parisians who go there on holiday. How far is it from Paris? Um, I'd say by car, it's about two hours. We actually take the train because uh, we decided to rent a, a sort of a secured parking spot near the train station at Migen. Um, so it's about an hour and a half by train. And then we have about 30 minutes by car once we get there. I'm the only one in our family who drives, who has a driver's license. My guy is a born and bred Parisian, never got a driver's license. He's 53 years old. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I just, I didn't want to. City get, kids. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> I didn't want to get into the trap of like fighting traffic around Paris coming in sure. and, and leaving. And then, you know, it's like you spend a weekend in the country and get all relaxed. And then you've got a, you know, all that relaxation just sort of goes out the window when you get into, you know, around Paris and you meet the traffic. And the, I don't know, I, it's just stressful for me. So I just thought, okay, let's, let's do it this way. Tell us a little bit about the house, about the, the property. Is it a, is a single home, individual home? Is there land? And, and what renovations did you have to do? It's a sort of a main house. It's a farmhouse. It was built in 1807. And basically, it's really long. And then there are two barns. One we call the large barn, and then, and then the other one is the small barn. And then in between the large barn and the, and the main house is sort of this, just a big sort of arch opening into a space that's kind of an indoor-outdoor space. And that's where the cider press was. We never saw the cider press. It was taken out a long time ago before we even bought the house. The space that we have rented Renovated is about 120 square meters, and I can't remember how much that is in square feet. That's about that's about 1,300 square feet, so that's nice. Okay, yeah, it's great. So, I mean, we're still renovating that um, because one of the rooms isn't finished yet. What, what we wanted to do is, with the means that we had, we wanted to just get like sort of a base camp, a space that was able to be lived in comfortably. As money comes in, we will we will renovate the other spaces sort of as we go. It's comfortable now. I mean, but we we renovated in a way that probably not everyone would do because the house had some moisture issues um, underneath. So we basically, and the, the, the tiling on the floor um, was in really bad shape. So we just basically took it all out, um, dug out a little bit and decided to put down some like a, an insulation, not only for temperature, but also for moisture, because we, there, you could tell that there was a lot of moisture coming up through the, the ground, the bottom. We entirely finished off the upstairs because it was just attic space when we bought it. It was just an attic. Um, so we wanted to have an upstairs. So we have two bedrooms. We have a bigger area upstairs, which hasn't been finished off, which we are calling the summer dormitory when it will be finished. And we're going to put lots of beds in there so that when we have friends, like maybe that would be the room where all the kids stay together, you know, on bunk beds and things like that. One of the most important things for us is that all of the upstairs spaces be sort of modulable. I don't know if that's a, a word, but... So that the spaces can be interchangeable. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And so we do have a bit of land. I guess the house and property is on a lot that's about 30,000 square feet. Uh, it's a pretty good size. Uh, we have sort of a courtyard area in between the, the different buildings. And then there's a huge sort of backyard area with a, a little tiny pond in it. We do yard work every time we go out there. I love it. I mean, it's great, um, you know, just cutting down trees and planting things and, you know, hacking away at all the weeds and all the things that need to get out of there. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. I love it. During the first stage of your renovations of the Burgundy House, 
were you able to renovate the kitchen? Our kitchen is actually still in progress. It is functional, but we don't actually have really kitchen counters yet. Um, and that's going to come, I don't know when. We've kind of just recycled some of the furniture that was in the original kitchen. There was a lot of that um, yellow 1950s furniture, like the, um, I don't know what we call it. Really like 19- mid-century furniture? Yes, exactly. There was a whole sort of set. So there's a big buffet. There's a little buffet with a couple drawers. There's a kitchen table. There's the chairs. They all go together. It's all yellow. I presume during the, when we had lockdowns in France, were you able to spend your time there in the Burgundy house? Well, that's kind of a funny story because we hadn't gotten far along enough on the renovation for it to be comfortable for the four of us. I think if it it had just been me and David Nicholas, we could have sort of camped out, but there was no heat yet. I mean, you know, some of the flooring wasn't finished. I mean, for the kids, it would have been really rough. We actually had to go down there for an appointment with an expert and our appointment was on March 15th. So that's like two days before we were locked down. (laughs) Exactly. So I had reserved for, I guess, maybe two or three days in a little gîte in a, like a little house that was just on the other side of the valley, like three minutes away by car with um, a woman, a gîte owner. So she already knew me. So I said, I called her and I was like, um, actually we're going to come earlier because we weren't supposed to go down there till Wednesday. I don't know what date that was, but basically the day of the appointment. So I called uh, Gabrielle, the gîte owner, and I was like, um, can we just move our arrival date up a couple of days. Would you mind? She's like, no, no, I have space. It's no problem. So we got there like on the Monday, we jumped on a train. It was packed. I mean, everyone was coughing and wearing masks and it was really scary. The great exodus. (laughs) I kept making fun because when we got there, we were so relieved to just get, you know, to the train station, get out of the train because I kept calling it the Corona Express. Um, It was just like, it was very harrowing. It was a really stressful experience. I can see the picture. I can get it. I get it. I understand. So we got out there and we just felt so relieved to get to her, her house. I mean, it was a little two bedroom house on their property, separate from their house. And we just got really lucky because we ended up staying, we ended up staying there for like, I think three and a half months in her jeet. I mean, she gave us a really low price because she was like, I don't want to take advantage of the pandemic to, you know, make money. And I was like, well, we feel like we're taking advantage because we wouldn't have wanted to stay in Paris anyway during that lockdown because 46 square meters with, you know, two and a half year old twins, like that would have just been crazy, you know? So anyway, we were so happy to be there and they, the couple, they're farmers, but we ended up getting really close to them. They're like our best friends now. When we go down there, we see them every time, Gabrielle and Bruno. Yeah. So we got lucky, even if we weren't in our own house. And the advantage of actually being there for a long period of time is that we could call the painter, go over to the house, get an estimate from the painter and actually be on site to see what he's doing, you know, regularly, because that's the difficulty of renovating from far away is that you can't really be there all the time. It's really challenging to manage it from a distance. It really is. It ended up being a good thing for our family in a way because we were able to get the work done that needed to be done during that time. Um, And then our house, we were able to start living in it um, at the beginning of August. I don't know. C'était un mal pour un bien. It was like a blessing in disguise, kind of. I don't want to say that in in a way because I know the pandemic was really, really difficult. The first lockdown was really hard. You have to look at the positive aspects of the situation that we're in. Yes. One of the aspects is is that you got to find a place that was, even though it was done in a rush, yeah. he, you ended up in a place where your family could breathe. They could have a place to be. And you got some of your renovations accomplished during that time as well. So yes. how much did you pay for it? Oh, good question. Um, actually, it was... 
um, listed at 95,000 euros, which was above my budget. I basically had a budget of 80,000 that I was going to borrow from the bank. My um, objective was to buy something that was cheaper so that I'd have a little bit left over for, you know, getting the, the septic tank replaced or just doing, you know, starting the renovation a little bit. Absolutely. I made an offer at 67,000, which was accepted like in an hour. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah, but it was a weird story because the house had been sold, sort of quote unquote sold a first time. And the woman who owned it was very, very old. And she wasn't able to go through with the final signature with that first couple who was also looking for a secondary home because she became ill. The kind of ill that means that the judge has to intervene and say, you are not, she was not fit to be able to sign the final, you know, say act of sale. So then by the time that her daughter was able to have control of her mother's affairs and things. That takes a really long time. In Basically France. power of attorney to act on her behalf. Exactly. That was the term I was looking for. Power of attorney. That takes like a year in France. So the other couple backed out and the real estate agent who was very nice, very honest, he said to me, well, I have to tell you, Ms. Zinder, that the, the people who made the first offer, theirs was at 76000 So I already knew that 95000 was too much because it needed a lot of work. Um, so even though there's the land around it and it's a very charming place, it needed definitely a lot of work. So when I offered 67, a couple of my friends here were like, whoa, Allison, like she's, if you make an offer that's too low, it, you sort of insult the person. I mean, you know this. And it, so they were afraid that she would get angry and just refuse and refuse to sell it to me. But it was the daughter who had no emotional connection to this house. She just wanted to get rid of it. And frankly, nothing ventured nothing gained. Exactly. That's how I've always felt about that. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Have you been able to adapt your business since the pandemic? Partially. I haven't, I mean, I haven't started doing virtual tours or anything like that. Part of my business, which I didn't mention earlier, is also teaching food and beverage in Paris, um, in Parisian schools, like, you know, schools that are focused on hospitality. So I've done, I've been doing a little bit of that. And mostly what I've been doing is sort of like research and development for my business, more like continuing research on my Bouillon tour, also working on a couple of long-term projects um, in relation to my business that I hadn't really ever had time to do because it was just so like frenetic, like running a business and also doing teaching in local schools um, for students, you know, French students mostly. And so it's, I've just sort of been hunkering down um, mm -hmm. and working on those projects that I find that I'm, I'm really glad to have the time to do. And then also, you know, family time, which has been intense and wonderful. And, you know, I'm really glad to be around for my kids, pick them up from school or to take care of them when we're not here. We've just been spending a lot of time, you know, family time. So I feel fortunate in a way, but I will definitely look forward to the time when American travelers and other travelers can come back to Paris for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see it, especially in the city. It it's really suffering. Part of what supports our economy is tourism. And there are a lot of businesses surrounding people coming. And it's not just Americans, but people from all over the world exactly. who come here. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to that as well. Well, Allison, I want to thank you again for joining us today on the Paris Property Chronicles and for sharing your delicious story with us. We really appreciate it. Yolanda, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to chat with you and to you know share my experiences. For more information on Alison Zinder, her tours, stories, recipes, videos, and more, please visit her website at www.alisonzinder.com.
Yolanda Robbins. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles. Property tailored for you. Thank you.